ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. There's likely to be a heated debate about negative gearing and capital gains tax in coming months, especially in the wake of the government's decision to change its Stage 3 tax cuts. Despite record high interest rates and a cooling economy, house prices are again on the way up. A lot of the debate is framed around housing affordability and the budget bottom line. So what impact would a change to these policies actually have? Our political reporter, Krishani Danji, joins me now. Krishani, why are we looking at these policies? Hi, PK. We know the country is in a housing crisis. There's a shortage of housing, prices are extreme, and if you're a millennial or a Gen Zer, your chance of owning a home in an area you want to live in keeps getting harder. This will sound a little bleak, but there's really no silver bullet to reducing house prices across Australia, though economists say the combination of policies like changing negative gearing and capital gains tax, as well as a bigger focus on supply, can help to slow the growth in prices. But let's start with what negative gearing and capital gains tax actually are. I spoke to Eliza Owens from CoreLogic to explain. Negative gearing is the ability to reduce your taxable income by losses made on investments. So, for example, if your interest costs, council rates or repairs outweigh the income you get from rent, that can be used to reduce your taxable income making loss-making investments more appealing. The capital gains concession is a 50% discount on the capital gains that you would um, pay tax on from what you make on the sale of an investment property. It was introduced to incentivize investors uh, a bit more because traditionally the capital gains on investments can be eroded by inflation. PK, there's a long history to this, and it's important to know how these policies contributed to higher housing prices in the first place. Negative gearing was introduced in the 1920s, fast forward 60 years to the 80s, and the Hawke and Keating governments had the massive tax break in their sides. Paul Keating once described it as an outrageous rort and completely axed it in 1985 before restoring it again in 1987. But during that time, the capital gains tax was also introduced, so a negative gearing came back in 87. The government essentially said some of that tax benefit from negative gearing would be offset by the capital gains tax. The ABC's finance presenter Alan Kohler says that then changed during the Howard years when he introduced the capital gains tax discount, cutting the tax in half and sent house prices skyrocketing. Everyone understands a discount. And so I think that the impact of capital gains tax on house prices was psychological in 2000 because everyone got it, that it was better to own a house and earn a capital gain than it was to earn an income because you only paid tax on half of it. And that was obviously enhanced by the fact that we've got negative gearing in Australia and have had for a long time. The key issue... No, just just so on that issue, right, what sort of impact would a change of these policies have on the cost of housing? So the key issue is that negative gearing and increasing the capital gains tax won't move the dial a huge amount on their own. Analysis by Treasury and the Grant Institute back in 2018 found that they'd only leave house prices about 2% lower than otherwise. The other big issue is supply. The government's promised 1.2 million homes over five years, but last year just 162,000 new properties were approved for development. So we have low levels of building, a lack of social housing and high levels of 
of immigration spread over a couple of decades. Plus, we have state and territory building approvals and zoning laws that have been handbraked and a post-COVID slowdown in labour and materials. So you have yourself a supply problem. Just to put the impact of zoning into perspective, the RBA wrote back in 2018 that zoning laws increased house prices in Melbourne by 69%, prices in Sydney by 73%. Here's Eliza Owens again. I think a lot of economists could broadly agree on the kind of tax reforms we need, addressing the big concessions for capital gains on investment properties, uh, having a more efficient property tax like ongoing land tax instead of stamp duty, But ultimately, these things are very politically hard to implement. Around the supply side, I think the federal government has the right idea with a big, ambitious target for new housing supply. It's just that at the moment, that's very hard to deliver because of the COVID impact on increasing construction costs and very tight levels of of labour supply to actually deliver the amount of dwellings that are kind of stuck in the pipeline at the moment. In 2016, Bill Shorten proposed a policy for negative gearing to only be allowed for new properties and grandfather the scheme to slowly wean off existing users. On capital gains tax, he proposed the discount should be halved to 25%, i.e. someone would end up paying around double the tax when they sold a property. But that was abandoned after a Labor's election loss in 2019. So, would it have worked? Alan Kohler says so, but again, in conjunction with a raft of other tax and supply policies. Those tax concessions distort the market. They encourage demand beyond normal, whether it's negative gearing or capital gains tax or zoning or more uh, high density or faster trains. I mean, there's tons of ideas, no shortage of them. Um, But my view is that it would be so difficult to do it that you'd have to do everything and you'd have to make it a national project and that's ABC finance reporter Alan Kohler there. Thanks, Krishani. Krishani bringing us that report. You're listening to RM Breakfast. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.